live or listen to past podcasts 24-7 at LVSportsNetwork.com. This is Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, KRLV Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, it's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. I can absolutely see it, you know. Um, I don't think penalties helped um, on some of them. Uh, but talking about the red zone and all that, like everything is just frustrating right now. You know, I didn't expect it to go this way. I didn't feel like it was going to go this way all during the game at any point. Um, all the way up until the last, you know, one, a couple seconds. So uh, everything is just pretty frustrating when you look at especially that. That was Raiders quarterback Derek Carr on Saturday in Cincinnati, answering a question that I had asked him uh, in very cold uh, Cincinnati. Um, obviously, that game came down to the last second. Uh, as many Raiders games did uh, this year, they won a whole bunch of them. But, you know, you can't live in that world uh, over and over and over again. It was bound to catch up to them. The odds caught up to them on a blustery day in Cincinnati. And that's where their season a very successful season uh, it was amid all the turmoil, all the off-field drama, all the changes, all the personnel losses, the injuries, COVID-19. A lot of cards were stacked against the Raiders this year, and they managed to fight their way through it to get as far as they've been in a long time and come up essentially, really, if we're being honest, one play away from moving on uh, in the playoffs. That's so. That's how close the Raiders truly are uh, to taking the next step as an organization and as a team, which is why I think this next week or so is going to be vitally important for the Raiders in terms of closing that gap. They obviously have some big decisions to make. We all saw the news yesterday and uh, are reflecting on it right now. General Manager Mike Mayock uh, is no longer the general manager. He was relieved of his duties yesterday. Uh, I'd like to talk to you guys uh, about that, 702-365-9200. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Tuesday. I have to get that straight because it wasn't on yesterday. It feels like I haven't talked to you guys in forever. Uh, the last time we did talk was on Friday, the night before the Raiders took the field against the Cincinnati Bengals. I know it didn't work out. Um, on Saturday, clearly. Uh, but there's a lot for Raider Nation to be proud of with this team. Um, there's also a lot. I wouldn't say a lot. I would say there's some areas that need to get shored up, fixed. And if that happens, no matter who the general manager is or who the coach is and whatever decisions are made in order to smooth out some of the rough areas that prevented the Raiders from being uh, a 12-13 win team and prevented them from uh, punching their ticket a little bit further in the playoffs. I think if those areas are addressed, they're going to be right there. It will be, without question, a fascinating next few weeks to see what direction this organization takes. Uh, we've already seen some of the names uh, that the Raiders are contemplating or, or, or are expressing interest uh, in bringing in for interviews for the uh, general manager uh, job. I've done, been doing a lot of poking around today, uh, talking to people in the NFL about some of these candidates and um, you know some of the names that you're probably going to be hearing. Dave Ziegler from the New England Patriots being uh, the most prominent so far. Uh, Ed Dodds from uh, the 
uh, 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 Indianapolis Colts uh, as well. And I think if you look at both of those candidates, uh, Ziegler is uh, in his 10th season with the Patriots. You um, uh, spent this past season as the director of player personnel. Essentially, he was their general manager. Um, once they, um, uh, the, the former uh, uh, general, well, New England doesn't have a general manager. That's Bill Belichick. Uh, but when, when Ziegler's previous boss, Nick Cesaro, went to Houston um, and Ziegler was on the verge of going to the Denver Broncos, Bill Belichick called him and said, hey, look, um, I want you to be my general manager. You're not going to get the title. There's no title uh, of that um, with the Patriots, but you're going to have all the responsibilities. And that's what he did this past year for for the Patriots. And prior to that, um, has been highly successful uh, with the Broncos, with the New England Patriots um, in terms of draft, personnel, putting the uh, uh, pro team together. Uh, there's a lot to like about Dave, uh, Dave Ziegler, as well as uh, as Ed Dodds, uh, who actually has uh, a tie with the Raiders. Um, he was a intern uh, under Al Davis back in 2003 to 2006 in the pro, pro uh, personnel department that went to Seattle, did great work with the Seattle Seahawks, has done outstanding work with the Indianapolis Colts as Chris Ballard's right-hand man. Uh, both of these guys uh, are hot commodities uh, in terms of general manager openings in the NFL. They were both highly pursued last year, but decided to stay in their current positions. But I think, um, you know, there's probably some things that uh, would change that for them this year. I think this Raiders job uh, is very attractive uh, in a lot of ways, and especially in talking to some people around the, the league. Uh, if you go back to Ziegler staying in New England rather than going to Denver, well, you know, you look at that. Denver situation, as ideal as it might be to some people, you're still working under John Elway, who is the, the president of football operations with the Denver Broncos. So you're answering to him, even as a general manager, and even in spite of John Elway saying, hey, uh, I'm going to relinquish day-to-day operations of the football operations um, and give it to the general manager. You're still, as a general manager, reporting to John Elway. That's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing whatsoever. Um, but with the Raiders... It's a little bit different. Uh, the power structure with the Raiders, there is no uh, president of football operations. Um, so there wouldn't be <clears throat> that person to, to answer to, essentially, as a general manager. It depends on what structure the Raiders want to take here. Do they want to continue to be a coach-centric organization, um, which is what they were under John Gruden, where he had the final say um, in terms of uh, personnel uh, decisions? With Mike Mayock, um, you know, being uh, right under him at what, like forty nine percent? I guess it was fifty one forty nine percent. If they go in that direction, obviously that changes some things for the general manager. Or do they go the more, I wouldn't say traditional way, but um, you know, maybe a way of more teams uh, uh, probably do it, and that's to have the general manager have the final say on personnel decisions, working obviously in collaboration uh, with the head coach. And if so, then this job becomes extremely attractive uh, for somebody like an Ed Dodds, for somebody like a, a Dave Ziegler. Why? Well, you know, you have basically the power. And um, Mark Davis is shrewd enough um, to understand uh, not his limitations. I don't want to uh, couch it that way. But, you know, he, 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 he wants somebody that understands football that and, and gives them the autonomy to go carry out uh, their plan, their vision, their blueprint. And I don't think he's the meddling uh, type owner that there and there are meddling owners out there in the NFL. Um, and, and 
the Raiders aren't one of those types of organizations. And I think that that really makes uh, for an attractive uh, job as the general manager. By the way, I've been talking to people in the NFL and um, I told you guys this last year when the Raiders defensive coordinator job opened up, there was a lot of interest uh, in that job at the time. It's why they were able to land their top candidate, uh, Gus Bradley, even though the defense wasn't good in 2020, we all know that, but there were pieces in place and there was an owner um, willing to spend the money to go get uh, necessary upgraded talent. There was obviously the facilities, the new stadium. It all contributed to the Raiders being a, a very attractive job. Remember, I told you guys, I talked to candidates that were interested in the Raiders defensive coordinator's job. And they're like, the cupboard's not there. There's a lot to work with there. Uh, and there's going to be talent coming in. We know that the owner is going to is committed to winning. It was a very attractive job. All right. So when you talk about the Raiders right now, whether you're talking about the general manager job or presumably the head coaching job, and we don't know exactly what direction they're going to take uh, in that regard. Uh, do, they, do, do they stick with Rich Pisaccia, um, or do they go outside the building to, fi- to, to, to you know, find a, a real permanent replacement for John Gruden? Those are questions that are yet to be determined. I would think, and this is just me talking off the top of my head, I would think the fact that um, they made the general manager move first probably indicates that they're moving in an an entirely different direction uh, at the top of their organization. And that would probably include the coach. It doesn't necessarily mean it will. Um, But I don't know, reading the tea leaves, you kind of get the idea that that might be the direction uh, that it, that it's going in. And if so, um, I think Rich Passaccia deserves a ton of credit for what he did um, in some trying times in a difficult situation. You know, here's Rich Passaccia, uh, a noted and, and and quality and respected special teams coach one day, and the next day he's the head coach of the Raiders um, in a shocking manner, the way it all kind of unfolded. And there was a lot to digest right there. There was a lot to um, sort through as the new head coach or the interim head coach. Uh, how do you go about it? And what do you do? What's the best way to handle the situation? And I thought Rich Passaccia, especially in how he – let everybody just kind of seamlessly continue on doing their job. I think that was a very astute position that he took. Okay, Gus Bradley, you're the head coach of the defense, essentially. Greg Olson, you're the head coach of the offense, essentially. Um, you guys do your jobs on your sides of the ball. Um, with with Rich being kind of the big decision guy, obviously, uh, you know, still paying attention to the special teams, but he knew enough to say the, the, the least disruption possible is the best way to go. And what, rather than making sweeping changes or try to be heavy handed on one side of the ball or the other, or even both, he respected the uh, powers that were in place and the roles that were in place and let those coaches continue um, doing those roles, playing those roles. And I thought it worked out uh, about as well as can be expected. His deft handling um, of the Henry Rugg situation, uh, of other things that came up, um, holding the locker room together, uh, talking to players, you know, they've pointed that out over and over again, the role that he's played um, in that regard. And, And there's no doubt that he deserves a lot of credit. But you know, if you're Mark Davis, if you're if you're the Raiders, this could be an opportunity right here 
to kind of reset things a little bit. You know, give John Gruden and Mike Mayock a lot of credit. They faced a monumental rebuild job when they took over. Oh, yeah, I know they had Khalil Mack and uh, Amari Cooper. Um, and did they get and did they maximize um, the draft picks that they got for those two players? No, absolutely not. Um, that's uh, not even debatable. But along the way, along the way, they changed the trajectory of this organization. They made it respectable. They slowly and steadily made progress on the win-loss front. Every year, they increased the win total. Um, every year, they increased their standing in the standings. Um, and then this year, they reached the playoffs. And it was the team that John Gruden and Mike Mayock built. They deserve all the credit for the way that team was was put together, uh, and especially the emotional strength that this team had. Remember, Mike Mayock and John Gruden talked all the time about finding guys that love football, guys that you're not going to have to kick in the butt over and over and over again to get them started, guys that were self-starters and loved football and were willing to fight and were willing to grind. Well, I'll say this. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen a group of uh, players fight the way these writers fought down the stretch of this season. And really, at all various points of the season. I know it didn't always work out for them uh, on the scoreboard. And I know there were some games where you just kind of left scratching your head. Uh, but I contend that there was a lot that they were dealing with emotionally that, you know, obviously we knew some of the things that were going on that, that were just so prominent. But imagine being players under those situations sometimes and having to just immediately set it aside and go play football. It doesn't always work that way. And I think there were some things that the Raiders had to sort through uh, in terms of losses and in terms of, you know, what was going on in order to get themselves on a right track and get themselves to the playoffs. And to their credit, they absolutely did. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener, listener line. Mark is in the Bay. How you doing, Mark? Hey, Vinny. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, I've been a longtime Raider fan since 76. Um, I've always kept a pretty good pulse on the team, you know, follow them as close as I do. You know, I'm not, I live in the Bay Area, I'm not a Niner fan by any means, but I do have to give this team credit, you know, for the fact that, you know, they, they went after one of the best play designers, one of the best play callers out there. And that's what I thought of Gruden. I thought of Gruden the same way. You know, you look at, you know, for best give him all the credit in the world, but, you know, if you've got a chance to upgrade to a guy like Jim Harbaugh, I mean, coaching matters. I mean, th this guy came in to the Niners. They were a losing franchise for, for years, and he came in and what, three out of the first four years, he gets them to the NFC Championship game and gets them to a Super Bowl. I mean, if we want to take that next step, you've really got to keep up with the Andy Reeds, you know, the Bruce Arians. You know, guys like Shanahan was in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And one thing, oh, I don't, you know, and I know you know about the Niners following the Rams all those years. But let me ask you this, Vinny. I want to ask you, as far as uh, Harbaugh goes, you know, Frank Gore, he's still close to that guy to this day. I've heard a lot of talk about Bisaccia and the players loved him and this and that. Frank Gore was just in a boxing match, and he's one of the most respected players in the NFL the last couple decades. Harbaugh was at his fight. I mean, they still have a tight relationship to this day. So if any of the players like Crosby or, or Carr want to know about Harbaugh, I mean, and, and do, do you remember, I don't know if you saw the press conference 
Mark Davis made a comment that still sticks to my mind this day when Gruden was introduced. He said that, you know, there's a salary cap for the players, but for coaches, there is no salary cap. And everybody was going, oh, my God, he gave him that contract. And I, I don't know. I, I just get the inkling that with the way that things have gone down, Mayock's gone. You know, if you're putting two and two together, and, and Harbaugh has not signed that, you know, that contract with Michigan yet. They've offered him an extension. I don't know. And, and he and Dodds and him were together here with the Raiders in the early 2000s. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on some of those points that I brought up because coaching really matters. I mean, the Super Bowl winners are the Lombardis, the Andy Reeds, you know, the the Parcells. What 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 are what are your thoughts on that, Vinny? Um, you're preaching to the choir, uh, and I, you know, um, my. Remember, I come from Los Angeles, and the, the, the NFL had been long gone for a long time. Uh, and then lo and behold, here come the um, Los Angeles Rams back to Los Angeles. And I, I'll never forget, um, you know, uh, uh, Jeff Fisher was their coach. And he was a kid that – he was a guy that went to Taft High School in Woodland Hills. He was a USC graduate, prominent USC player, uh, obviously did work with the Tennessee Titans and all that. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, it's going to be interesting covering the Rams and getting to know Jeff Fisher and seeing how he ticks and all that. And I got to say I was underwhelmed. And I'm not trying to disparage Jeff Fisher, but it was just – I. You know, it was like it didn't add up. Everything, nothing added up uh, with him. And and it wasn't long uh, into that first season where I'm like, they got to make a move. And I wrote about it over and over and over again. I was a columnist uh, in Los Angeles at the time and kept writing it, kept writing it, kept writing it. And they finally got rid of him. Um, and they bring in a kid or a kid, a coach by the name of Sean McVay. Um, and I'll never forget, um, I get a text from somebody that during the interview <laughs> – during the interview with Sean McVay, I get a text from somebody that's that was part of the inner circle uh, with the Rams, and and the text simply said, "Sean McVay is special." And I remember thinking, "Wow, they found their coach." And I remember also earlier that day, knowing that the Rams were uh, getting ready to interview Sean McVay, I had done some research into Sean McVay. I called up; it must have been twenty. Um, uh, interviews that he had done as the offensive coordinator for the Washington football team, um, where he did his weekly, you know, interview. And I was just blown away listening to this guy talk and explain things and teach. Even in the in the media sessions, he was teaching. And I, I remember thinking, wow, this guy is somebody. I don't know if the Rams are going to go in this guy's direction, but wow, this guy is impressive right here. And lo and behold, get that text from the Rams, um, you know, that the, uh, person that was literally in the in, 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 in the interview process with Sean McVay. Well, fast forward, look at what Sean McVay with a good general manager in, in Les Snead has done with the Rams. I mean, it's just remarkable. And it proves what you were just saying. Coaching matters. And if there is somebody uh, special out there, and I consider Jim Harbaugh special. I don't know what direction the Raiders are going to go in. I don't know that uh, at all. But I will say this. Jim Harbaugh, to me, is a special coach. Is he difficult to work with? People in San Francisco would say, yeah, he, it was a grind working with him. Well, guess what? Sometimes geniuses are a grind to work with. And if you're winning, with, if you're winning you not that you have to put up with it, um, but you, know, you just accept it. You accept that. Um, this is a coach that, like you mentioned, three years in the NFC Championship game out of the four years that he was there, one year in the Super Bowl, they were terrible before he got there, and they were terrible immediately after they got there. They're good now because they have good leadership back in place. 
um, with Shanahan and, and, and John Lynch, but in between that, they weren't, I mean, uh, you know, uh, in, in between Harbaugh, they weren't. And that says a lot about him. Does he have the itch to come back to the NFL? I don't know that to be the case, but it sure is an intriguing possibility. And knowing Mark Davis and what he just did with the WNBA team, bringing in Becky Hammond, even though he had a pretty good uh, established coach in Bill Lambeer uh, in place, what he did to go convince John Gruden to come out of retirement uh, and out of the TV booth uh, with a lucrative deal and all the security he needed to get the job done. It shows you that Mark Davis understands exactly what we're talking about here uh, and is willing to pay the price to get somebody special. And I think there's some really good candidates out there for both, um, you know, both jobs. But if you have a chance to go get somebody that is a difference maker, proven difference maker, or is just somebody that's so special um, that you know that they're destined for greatness, I think you make that move or at, at least make a major run for it. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, consider me a big fan of Jim uh, Harbaugh. Pharaoh uh, is in East Oakland. How you doing, Pharaoh? Hey, what's going on, Vinny? Thanks for taking my call. I agree 100% with the last caller and your, your point as well as far as getting Jim Harbaugh. We got to do whatever it takes to get him. It looks like that's where it's headed. You know, everybody's kind of like implying, but I'm not hearing too much from, you know, like the local B writers like yourself. I mean, I understand like it's, you could, you know, connect the dots with Jim Harbaugh, but I feel like mm -hmm. you made, you made a great point earlier by saying that the Raiders, and then you tweeted this earlier. That's what I seen. I, I kind of missed uh, earlier in the show. If you talked about it, but you made a point that the Raiders, right now are an attractive destination for like future head coaches and uh, GMs because look, we got it. We have a brand new facility. We have brand new facilities. We've got a brand new stadium. Our team just got out of the playoffs. So we have established leadership staff, established players, players on our team. We do need talent. I'm not going to lie. I'm not gonna, I'm not one of those Raider fans will say, Oh, we got the best players. No, we don't. We do need to build off what we have right now. But I feel like we probably have like it's probably the number one head coaching vacancy right now. If you if you want to, I mean, I, I don't I can't think of any other like uh, place in the NFL that you know that a coach would want to coach other than Las Vegas right now because we have an established QB. I mean, whatever. A lot of know a lot of Raider fans. They're kind of like fifty fifty with Derek Carr, but at the end of the day, he's he's a solid to to good QB, and we should be able to win with that. And and if fans can't see that, because I feel I, I believe that like Raider fans, honestly, we want to be honest, like we've been traumatized from all the losing, all the head coaches, seeing all types of things, especially this season with with the Henry Rugg situation and losing the head coach in the middle of the season. And, you know, respect to Versace. I think that he did a good job in holding down the fort. But going back to how I started this call, Jim Harbaugh is the guy like we need to get him. He has a his he has a history, he has a track work, track record. He has that proven resume that we need. I mean, we don't need to go after uh, a young up and coming. We don't have to, a young young up and coming like assistant head coach. We don't have to do that. You know, we don't have to take that risk because now we have the leverage. You know, in the past we didn't have that leverage. We were a bad team, bad organization, bad reputation. But now we everything is lining up correctly, and we can get the best GM talent evaluator we can get the best head coach whoever that is if it's not Jim Harbaugh it could be somebody else but um, best believe I think Mark Davis is going to make you know a good decision because 
you made a good point earlier by saying that Mark Davis has proven that he knows that he doesn't know football, but he's going to hire someone that does. And you I, know, he, I appreciate he, you taking my call. Uh, likewise, Pharaoh, uh, great call. We appreciate it. Uh, don't be a stranger. Um, and I and I agree. And I think it's a very important distinction to make that where the Raiders are right now makes them a very attractive job. And you got to give Mark Davis the powers that be uh, in that building in Henderson, John Gruden and Mike Mayock uh, to the extent that they played in this, pushing this thing a little bit further. Look, the organization, the team is better um uh, today than it was when Mike Mayock and John Gruden took over. It flat out is. Everything points to that. The talent is better. The record is better. They made the playoffs. They've got a quarterback that learned under John Gruden and is, and is you know, right there, uh, top 12, top 13 quarterbacks in the NFL. You can absolutely win big things with that caliber of quarterback, especially if you put the right team on it. Look, I just watched Matthew Stafford yesterday with the Los Angeles Rams. Matthew Stafford, um, if you lined up his statistics and his winning and losing and all that next to Derek Carr, they're almost identical. I know they're slightly different as quarterbacks, but their success, you know, prior to this year was almost identical or failure, whatever you want to put that on, put it on them. Um, and Matthew Stafford was, you know, caught a lot of blame in Detroit, you know, for not being able to win in the playoffs, not being able to get to the play. Well, look at the talent that he had in Detroit. Now look at him in Los Angeles uh, and what they were able, how spectacular that team looked. And he looked um, last night. There's no reason why that can't be the equivalent here with the Raiders, with even with Derek Carr as the quarterback. There are some, Farrell, you brought up a good point. The ta- not all the talent is there. Um, there are some boxes that absolutely need to be checked off. They need to go find a dynamic wide receiver. They need to fix right tackle and tinker with that offensive line. But it's not far off, and we're talking about very streamlined needs that there's money to go pursue, and there's available players that fit that bill in the during the offseason. Obviously, we're going to talk about that uh, as we move on. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday. I want your calls. There's a lot to talk about, and I want your thoughts. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. That's another. There's always controversy with us, um, to say (laughs) the least. But, yeah, um, during that play, in pursuit of the quarterback, mm-hmm. and you know I'm I'm just running the you know running the running after Joe Burrow, and in my in my view, it looked like he ran he stepped out of bounds. So when that happened, I don't know if he did or not. Like I, I saw the replay, I don't think he did, but it was very close. And so when he almost stepped out of bounds, he launched the ball, and the second he it left his hand, the ref right there blew the whistle. Because he saw what I saw. It was close, and it looked like he stepped out. Right. So we heard the whistle, and then all of a sudden I looked back, and he caught the – you know, the receiver caught it, but it looked like the DB stopped. So that was just my opinion. Then I saw the replay, and I'm like, oh, yeah, the whistle blew. <laughs> and I, literally our guy stopped, and it looked like the Bengals guys thought it was over as well. Um, but then all of a sudden they just said signal touchdown, and I was yelling at the ref saying, no way, he blew the whistle, he blew the whistle, right. regardless if he stepped out or not. I thought they should have stopped it, but what do I know? Yeah, that was Max Crosby uh, talking on the Rich Eisen show about the infamous whistle play uh, in Cincinnati. There's no question that the whistle was blown. Uh, Did it affect 
the play, quote unquote, effect? Um, I'm not so sure, but the fact of the matter is, by rule, if a whistle blows while the play is ongoing, the play stops and you got to replay the play. Like, that's just the rule. And so, um, you know, who knows what would have happened <laughs> on the next play? Maybe there's an interception. Maybe there's a fumble. Uh, maybe they, you know, they, they're maybe the Bengals hold on to the ball even longer and score a touchdown, and the Raiders don't have time to go down the field. I think they 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 scored themselves. Maybe it was a field goal or something. I forget. I'd have to look back. But anyway, um, yeah, it was that was definitely conspicuous. And and look, you know, um, it it, it kind of is what it is. Uh, that referee, we all know, the officials had a bad day in Cincinnati. That crew was just. Um, just not very good. Uh, there's no question about that. And we can all be honest and, and admit that. Um, but, you know, it's the Bengals that are moving on. Uh, they, they they earned it. And uh, the Raiders, you know, unfortunately uh, had to come home. Uh, it was a great season in a lot of ways uh, in terms of the growth of this organization uh, and the growth of this team. Obviously, there's uh, there were some elements that you just don't wish on anybody. But they happened, um, and the Raiders fought through it and still had one of the more successful seasons that they've had in a long time. And I think it set the foundation, and I think that's the key moving forward. There's a foundation in place. This isn't 2018 where Mark Davis you know, convinced uh, John Gruden to come be the head of his football operation and rehaul this thing and overhaul this thing and, and, and fix it and fi you know fix what was wrong and i felt like in the th three years that john gruden was here the three plus years that john gruden was here he accomplished that or was on his way to accomplishing that and because it's not entirely fixed yet and that's okay uh, there's still some steps that need to be taken but he put it along with mike uh, mayock uh, into a position where and i can't reiterate this enough it's a very attractive job there are key people interesting people, people that you know, people that you've heard of that um, are excited about the chance to at least talk to the Raiders about uh, the openings that they have. And that's a good thing. It really is because these guys do their homework. And a lot of these guys don't have to leave where they are and they have other options. Uh, so if there's sincere interest from them to come work for the Raiders now, uh, it's because the Raiders have put themselves in a position where good people are very interested. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line um, and let me see who is up next. One second. We've got Passionate Raider is on the line. How you doing, Passionate Raider? I'm all right, Benny. All right. How you doing, man? How you feeling? Doing good, man. Let's, what, what we got, yeah, brother? Man. man, okay, so I'm just sitting here thinking, right, you know, we've got a rebuild coming. We've got a new GM. There's we've no rebuild. There's no rebuild. Well, this, this, this is the way I'm thinking. We've got a lot of money owed out. We got a quarterback that's, that's on his last year playing in the NFL. Everyone says he's an elite quarterback. Wait, 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 Okay, all right. Old, and, 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 you know, is he, with everything that we need fixed on this team, we've got a new, we've got a new GM now, or we're going to have a new GM, we're going to have a new coach. I mean, usually those guys want their own players. 
right now with this going into a contract year with Derek Carr, is this something that is intriguing to a coach? Or is this something that's going to be a kind of a Derek's going to be the main key for what comes in because of what money he's owed with how much money that we need to address to fix other areas on this team? Because everybody wants to point out that it's not Derek's fault that he couldn't score touchdowns. It was the old line. It was no running back game. It's everybody else's fault but him. And I can't be that fan that blames the whole other team but can't, can't look at one biggest factor of this team. If Derek Carr scores 30% of his head zone trips in these last five games, we're not biting our nails every single game. So is Derek Carr, my question to you, Vinny, is Derek Carr worth $35 million a year for us going forward, 30 to $35 million a year going forward, with all the other holes on this team that we have to fix and plug and play to make Derek be this elite quarterback that everybody says he is? Because I don't think he can carry this team on his back with the roster we have right now and make it far. Did the defense carry him a lot this, this past five games? In my eyes, yes, they did. Because if the defense didn't do their job and do what they did, we wouldn't even have been in a playoff game. That's just the way I'm looking at it, Vinny. But let me know what you think about is, – is this, a, is this an enticing situation? We all know it's going to be the best – it's the best option for a coach out there. But with this quarterback, do we start over with the new quarterback or do we pay this man top dollar and plug and play, stick all these little lower players in on one-year deals again to get us back to one more playoff win? Or do we just start all over and get a coach and a general manager and their own QB and coach them up from there? Because, Vinny, I told you, you know, every four years this happens with the Raiders. Every four years we're talking about a new coach and it's gone on for 20 years. Well, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, I'm going to ask you something, Passion Raider. What's the salary cap going to be next year? It's going to be, isn't it 60? What? 60 mil, is that what it's going to be? No, no, the, the, the NFL salary cap next year. What, 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 it's See, going to be. I don't, that's, why, that's why I don't know. I don't know all the. $210 million. It's going to be around $210 million. You're saying, okay. you're saying that if you pay Derek Carr, 35 million dollars. One hundred and eighty million dollars isn't enough to go do everything else that you need. Come on, man. There's t- look at every single look at every single team that's left in the NFL, and look at the quarterback salaries that they're making, and tell me that it can't be done, my man. Tell me it can't be done where you can't build a team around a good quarterback that's being paid thirty million dollars. It's being done as we speak, he, number one. Is he worth it? Is he worth that much money for all the holes we have on this team? That's what, my all, question. All what holes? What, name all the holes that the Raiders have. Okay, we need, we, need a, we need a right tackle. We need a right what? guard. We need a cornerback. We need a wide you don't receiver. Need, you don't, I don't think you need a right guard. Hold on a second. We need a defensive that, tackle in the middle. We need a lot of holes, Vinny. We got a lot of holes on this team that need to be addressed if we're going to go far into the playoffs. That's just you, what I think. Okay, you, you said a lot. There aren't a lot. That's the whole point. That's why this is an attractive job. And if you want to understand why um, Derek Carr is an enticing part of that, potentially, I'm here to tell you that there's a bunch of teams that would like to trade for Derek Carr. I get asked so much, like legitimately asked. I'm just saying, hey, would the Raiders be interested in trading Derek Carr? Like, like from teams... 
that are on the verge themselves. All right. So your view of Derek Carr is not the view of Derek Carr in the NFL at all. At all. Go ahead. What is Derek work? What, what, in your opinion of, of what's coming up, what do you, and I know you guys don't like to call people, pick people, but I'm asking for myself. What is, what would be a hometown discount for Derek Carr to sign another contract with the Raiders? What would, what would make it feasible to put a team back? $40 million guaranteed over the next two years. Give him a third year option. Something along those lines where, where you, whatever it is, give him $40 million guaranteed. Not for one season, you know. You 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 envelope it into what he's already making, um, and and he walks away with another forty million dollars guaranteed, something along those lines. But it's not going to be so prohibitive that you can't, you know, uh, go out and build the rest of your team around him. If you put together, I don't think there's a lot of holes that need. I think right tackle, absolutely. I think you need to go find a dynamic wide receiver. I think you could rebuild, bring back most of those guys on the defensive line, even if it is on one-year deals. That's kind of the world you live in as a 30-something or 28, 29-year-old defensive uh, tackle. Sometimes when you get to that stage, that's your market. And there's a lot of guys that are on the Raiders right now that were on those one-year deals that I think are going to want to come back. You've got... I think you need to bring back Casey Hayward. You're going to bring back Denzel Perryman. I think Divine Diablo uh, showed to be a uh, a good, credible player. I think Max, you got two the two of the best defensive ends in the NFL. Arguably the best defensive end tandem in the NFL. You go get an elite wide receiver, which that is attainable. You pair him up with Darren Waller. You pair him up with Hunter Renfro. Josh Jacobs is going to be back next year. You fix and find somebody that's going to be able to solidify the right tackle position. That's about it. Everything else is doable and and, they, and in a lot of cases already in place. So, yes, this is an enticing uh, job. This is an enticing position for all of the reasons that I just declared. And if I'm Mark Davis, that's the first thing I'm asking any candidate that I bring in for the general manager job uh, and for the uh, head coaching job. What is your plan to get this to the next level? immediately no rebuilds nobody wants to talk about a rebuild what's the plan to do that uh and i think when he hears the right answer to that that's who he's gonna end up uh going with back out to the raider nation listener line we've got um robert is uh, online how you doing robert uh thanks for taking my call Danny. folks like your last caller really irritate the piss out of me at times uh just your morning show just yesterday, uh, the Hondo, wherever he is, I'm not sure. I'm sure you know him. Was saying the Steelers were willing to give up two first round draft picks last year for Derek Carr or this year for Derek Carr. That ought to tell you and guys like your last caller what Derek Carr's value is in the NFL. Can we please stop this nonsense? Having said that, I have to agree wholeheartedly with your callers that, uh, uh, with for Jim Harbaugh, if you can get Vic Fangio to come with him, that tandem works. We've seen it here in the Bay Area. It works. It works to get your team to a championship game. It works to get your team to the Super Bowl. And as you said, Vinny, this team really isn't that far away with parts that you can't obtain. OBJ is going to be a free agent in the offseason. He's obtainable. There are guys out there that you can get to bring in to take this team to the next level next season with yeah. coaches that pay attention to details. Jim Harbaugh and Vic Fangio pay attention to details. 
Absolutely. And, and here's the thing, you know, getting back real quick to something passionate Raiders said every four years, this, this is completely different than the dynamics that were in place. All those other times, the Raiders replaced coaches, the Raiders replaced coaches um, every four years prior to this because they needed to rebuild. It wasn't working. This is the polar opposite of that. A situation occurred that took the head coach away from the, from the Raiders, John Gruden. It wasn't out of performance whatsoever and at all. And, and uh, everybody was happy with what was, where this whole thing was headed. Um, you know, in terms of John Gruden, the front office, all of that, this isn't a rebuild. This isn't, Oh, it failed. Got to go find somebody else. Like it's been time and time again. So you have to be able to dis- dif- differentiate what kind of a situation you're dealing with compared to the situation that you situations that you've been d- dealing with it's why it makes it such an attractive job this isn't a rebuild it's tinkering and figuring out ways to to get better in some key areas to take that next step and i also think whoever the general manager uh, uh is i think another question that i would have if i was mark davis is what are you going to do what's the plan to uh, uh, mitigate any of the high-end mistakes that were made here these last few years with those first-round picks. Uh, I know it's a it's a crapshoot sometimes uh, in the draft, but uh, if I'm the owner, I want some assurances that there's a plan in place to make sure that those first-round picks, those premium high picks, get maximized uh, instead of uh, underused. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Wrapping up the Raiders season 2021, the first season with fans in the stands at Allegiant Stadium. There were some spectacular moments this year. Um, who thought that they were going to start 3-0? and I, I kind of did, actually. I'm just saying. Um, beating the Baltimore Ravens on an electric Monday night <laughs> at Allegiant Stadium and then going to Pittsburgh to beat the, uh, to beat the Steelers. Um, you know, some great wins against the Colts. Uh, the Chargers, obviously, to to end the regular season to get to the playoffs. Uh, the Raiders were did play. I think they were eight and four in the AFC this year, which was a, a big deal. Obviously, couldn't figure out the Cincinnati Bengals, but you tip your cap to the Bengals. Um, they played a uh, a good game, and they were the better team. It just it came down to one play basically, and the Raiders weren't able to uh, to make that play. Um, but you know, I'm seeing on Twitter. Uh, people talk about, or some, somebody anyway, passionate Raider, who, who it is, talking about Derek Carr is the weakest link on the team. Come on, man. Come on, passionate Raider. Come on, baby. You know that that's not the case. He's not the weakest link on the team. Trust me when I say people in the NFL, there's teams that are lining up to trade for Derek Carr, and they have the last couple of years. So just listen to, think of along the lines of them and ask yourself why. It's because he's a good quarterback. Put a good team around him as they did this year, even though it was flawed, and especially with Darren Waller missing five straight games. You don't think that had an effect on the offensive operation. Losing Henry Ruggs, a key piece of the puzzle. That offense was humming and was uh, was turning a corner, really, um, you know, when they had when they were fully intact. And that was with a bad offensive line and a run game that wasn't, you know, uh, operating really well. So, 
they overcame it. They figured out a way to do it. You, to me, you keep improving around Derek Carr. You don't take him out of there unless you're going to go get Deshaun Watson or some other great quarterback. But to start all over with somebody that you're just oh, hoping that he could be as good as Derek Carr, that's ludicrous. Not right now. Ralph is in Los Angeles. How you doing, Ralph? Hi. How you doing? Hello? Good, brother. How you doing? Yeah, pretty good. I was kind of following back up on what the previous callers, you know, calling in about Carr. I'm a devout, you know, devoted Raider fan as well. But I'm just saying the way things are in today's climate where you got to have more of a dual-threat quarterback and his penalty for not wanting to run and extend plays, it's going to be hard to win when you basically going to have the third-best quarterback in the division at all times for the rest of his career. So you're always going to be delegated to the wild card. So I'm thinking if you can get some form of upgrade or something, you know, a little more. Such as? In the worst case, I mean, like, if you can trade, pair him, like you said, like a lot of teams want to trade, trade him for if you can get Watson. I don't know, you know, what how Mark Davis feel about Watson background or whatever, but that, but he would be closer to what Mahomes and Herbert are. And you got to have a quarterback yes. to run and send plays. But if worst case scenario, I can understand, like you said, Carr is talented. You know, like yeah. he is very talented, but he's turnover prone. He, I don't know. Whenever he gets touched, he gonna fumble the ball. I mean, it's like it's almost imperative. Like, like he cried. Like, I mean, fold him like a little baby. I mean, but talent wise, arm talent, he can make every throw, do everything. But he just seemed like he tightens up in a lot of situations. You know, like well, I mean, you might too if the right side of your offensive line was the worst in the league in pass protection. Imagine dealing with that game after game after game. Fix the offensive line, and he's going to be able to stand tall. In the look at is Matthew Stafford a runner? But he actually scrambled a couple times last night. And so has so has line. Derek Carr. Derek Carr made feet plays with his feet, but they're not. Neither one of those guys are. They will on occasion. And you, you can't sit here, brother, and tell me that you didn't see Derek Carr make plays with his feet this year. You cannot say no, that if you're a Raider I, fan. I, I, I said I said that, but I didn't see him, like, actually lose the Cowboy game a year, uh, year or so ago, fumbling on the sideline without getting touched a couple times. I mean, like, he – I don't know whether his hands or his hand strength to look like he – I know he always flexes his arms in all season, but – he got some of the weakest arm strength. I mean, even like that fumble in that game, like they just touched the ball and he just like, I don't understand it. That- yeah. Look, if you're saying, can, you know, Deshaun Watson's uh, legal stuff is clear. If the Raiders could go get Deshaun Watson, obviously you go get Deshaun Watson if his legal stuff is taken care of. But here's my, this has always been my, all right, let's go get Deshaun Watson. All right. That's kind of a pipe dream when you think about it. Who else? Who else are you going to trade, Derek Carr? Who else are you going to that's available that you know you can go get? Who are you getting? You want to go get Russell Wilson? I'd be on board with that. I'd be on board with getting Russell Wilson. But are you going to give up what it takes? Do you, is he even available? You know, that's my. That's always been my question. It's easy to say, move on from Derek Carr. The key is, who are you replacing him with? And he better be somebody that's better. That's all I've got to say. Otherwise, you're taking step unnecessary steps backward when the other plan, which is seems to be moving in the right direction, is just continually try to build a good team around him, which I thought they did. But circumstances kind of sabotaged that a little bit this year. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster. Brought to you by Tequila and Bauder, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday.